0: A one, two, three, four.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive, on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hi, guys. I'm Amy Wright. Thanks for listening to the Insights podcast by Diddy TV, where we offer behind-the-scenes interviews with musicians musicians. Producers, engineers, and other various and vital contributors to the world of music. Today, I'm excited to welcome members of Nashville based band Great Peacock. Great Peacock's latest album, Forever Worse Better, stayed on the Americana Albums Chart for over four months. As their third full length release, it's held as their defining album, a record about the three way intersection between drive, desperation, and determination. It's a wonderful record, and I'm happy to have caught up with the guys to discuss it. So thanks for listening, and now please enjoy my conversation with Great Peacock. So, why the name Great Peacock? Just out of curiosity. I mean, I've always wanted to ask that, so I'm going to ask you now.
0: (laughs) Me and Andrew, when we started this band, we were getting uh, done with playing with another band that we had started together. It was kind of like a, more of like a, angsty rock and roll 20s you know loud rock and roll kind of thing but uh we kind of started this band it's kind of like you know something fun to do so we could still go on with our lives and still play music and uh so it kind of started as a joke and we were uh drinking bushwhackers together which is like a nashville like thing to do <clears throat> which is like a mudslide you know it's got a Kahlua and lots of rum and kind of like a boat drink and uh so we were drinking a few of those just trying to come up with like this name because we had this idea that like oh we're gonna sing harmony together and it's gonna be like a an animal name and an adjective you know because there were all those bands coming out like early 2010s that were uh an animal name and all this stuff and um We were just bouncing ideas back back and forth of each other and I was like, I remember I said gray G-R-E-Y Peacock and he thought I said great peacock. And the story went from there. He's like, Oh, great peacock. That's cool. I was like, that's not what I said, but I like that better.
1: Well, it just implies that you're always great, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: A little bit of a little cocky. Yeah, a little cocky. A
1: little peacocky, I guess. So when you first got together you said it was just for fun, really, and did you have a kind of a music in mind or did you think, let's just play and see where this goes?
0: Yeah, well it's like I said, we were um coming off of a project that we're pretty serious about and we had kind of put a lot of eggs in that basket, if you may. But uh nothing ever really seemed to roll our way. Um we did some cool stuff, but uh from there it was just like uh we kind of just took everything back and we're like well this is kind of what we're good at you know let's just like do something simple acoustic guitars harmony vocals and um like let's try to write you know like pop songs you know like you know the, the catchy songs you know without a better term i guess that's pop music and um from there it was just like yeah we sat down to write the first song together which was desert lark which is uh on our first record and still you know kind of a crowd favorite song and uh yeah that's kind of like where it started as far as uh we had an idea in mind and it has definitely blossomed from there but that was kind of the beginning kind of our idea
1: So I want to go back a little ways, though, because I like for people on this show to get to know you a little bit better as people. And so I'm going to start with Frank. And so, Frank, where did you grow up?
2: So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, where I still live today. Uh, Tried to escape after high school. It didn't work out in a good way, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, I, I grew up in Atlanta and then I did, I completed my undergrad in Athens, Georgia at UGA, which is really what got me into music is just being in, as cliche as it sounds, living in a fabled music town and being surrounded by like-minded 18 to 22 year olds, just playing house shows and bands whenever, wherever you could, um, Not to jump off on a massive tangent there, but I'm an Atlanta native, which is a rare thing, Uh, much like the Nashville native is becoming such a rare thing these days. Uh, But I'm born and raised in Atlanta, still here today.
1: Did you grow up playing bass?
2: I did not. No, I, um, gosh, I, I probably my dad bought me the cheapest Epiphone Les Paul electric guitar you could get off the rack at guitar center when I was probably 15. Maybe I think I might've already been driving at that point. And I just kind of, it just kind of sat in a corner for a while, a good long while. And I started taking lessons because a buddy of mine was also taking lessons and I took guitar lessons I learned how to play guitar. <laughs> I was a guitarist and I'm a cliche guy, but I wasn't good enough. So I picked up this instrument that had four strings. <laughs> it's, it's not easier to play, but that's the joke that everybody makes. Um, and I just felt more comfortable on bass when I started playing in bands in high school and college. I kind of figured out like, okay, these are the records I like what's the bass player doing on him? I'd never really thought about music like that before. And I learned how to like, you know, listen to the drummer, what he's doing with the kick, following that and kind of building from there. I'm So in a weird way, I'm a self-taught bass player, but it's absolutely not what I set out to do when I started playing music.
1: Well, Keith, it's funny that you mentioned that you thought the bass might be easy because I'm a fiddle player and the bass has the same strings. So I mistakenly thought, hey, I can play the violin, I can play the bass. Uh, It didn't work out that well for me. I'm just going to let you know right now. (laughs) uh, Um, Bass was a lot harder than I thought. So you picked it up very nicely, I have to say.
2: I appreciate that.
1: So along the way, did you have any side hustles? I know that musicians all have side hustles. And you know, what were you doing when you were starting to play music and you weren't always playing music? What were you doing?
2: Blunt, you want me to go first buddy
0: yeah i think she was asking you
2: oh yeah i'm sorry uh, if that was still me i'm with That's
1: it tell you frank it's all you
2: yeah it's so to
1: to Blunt. <laughs>
2: again, uh, kind of athens georgia right so college town not exactly a bustling economy there but what there are plenty of in athens georgia are bars and restaurants so And I'm sure you hear this a lot from musicians because it's one of the gigs you pick up that has the most flexibility with hours. Basically, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So if you need to tour for a month, fine. We'll see you in a month. I was just working at restaurants and bars. Um, Not at any clubs in town, uh, but Athens was small enough to where you'd get off a shift and walk two blocks to see the show at the 40 watt that night. Or maybe sneak in to the Georgia Theater because your are buddies with the door guy kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was popping beers and slinging plates for, gosh, years and years and years, up until very recently, whenever I wasn't on stage with these fellas.
1: I've been to a game down there. It's, it's an awesome college town. And we went to the club. What is the name of that club? The real famous one there.
2: Forty and- uh, Watt?
1: Yes, yes, Forty Watt. Yeah. Uh, great, great club. They gave us a tour during the day, and uh, oh yeah, I'm not sure clubs ever look quite the same in daylight as they uh, do at night. But
2: yeah, that's that's definitely one of the one of the ones that's better seen in the- during the day, and they definitely don't look the same.
1: <laughs> they don't smell the same either, Blunt. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> let's 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 jump to Blunt then. Blunt, tell me about yourself. Where did you grow up?
0: Uh, I grew up in uh, LA, which is a uh, lower Alabama, <laughs> way down south. Alabama, uh, the <laughs> actually the other side. It's uh, the Florida Georgia line, if you may. Okay. It's a town, Dothan, Alabama, and uh, yeah, grew up there. And I went to school at Auburn for a little bit, and decided that I was a musician. And I wanted to record music. and I went to uh, Orlando for a year to learn recording. And uh, then I came up to Nashville to uh, play music and record music. And uh, yeah, kind of I worked at a studio for a little bit and played in my brother's band for a while, and yeah, just kept rolling.
1: <laughs> so so how about you? What were some of your more interesting side hustles? Along
0: the way, I'm an Enneagram Nine. If you know anything about Enneagrams, so I hate change. So I've had uh, I worked at a studio when I moved up here. Then I had a job at uh, Soundcheck, a uh, it's a big rehearsal facility in town. I worked at a uh, store inside of that called Tour Supply. We sold a lot of gaff tape and batteries, uh, wireless for wireless stuff. And uh, but it was kind of like a one-stop shop where I would get a call from, you know. Lady Gaga that she needed a keyboard in Dayton, Ohio the next day at three o'clock in the afternoon and had to figure it out, <laughs> how to get, get it there. And, uh, I did like some like cable building and, uh, you know, small pedal boards, which was fun. And then, um, when this band kind of started to get busy, it was, uh, a little bit of strain on that cause it was a, you know, nine to five, you know, monday through friday sometimes saturday gig so i decided that uh, i'd need to work in a restaurant so i've been a line cook ever since then at a place called a uh, frothy monkey i worked at the original location which is 12 south
1: well i think that the craziest side hustle i ever had was selling cleaning products by phone and they weren't the best cleaning products so I had to convince people to buy them, even though I knew they really weren't the best. So uh, eventually, I did quit that job.
2: Yeah, I sales I was doing sales.
1: very well at it.
2: You, you don't know it's the best product on the market, right?
1: Right. It's it's this woman. Yeah, I called this woman one time, and she, and she said, "Can you tell me this is better than what I can buy in the store?" And I sat there and I said, <laughs> "No, <laughs> I really can't tell you that." <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So it didn't work didn't really work out for me, but so you guys formed was it 2013? Well, I guess that's when you put out your first album and that was Making Ghosts. And were you practicing before that 2012 time frame? How did that sort of come about and who was writing the songs and what, you know, tell me the whole story there.
0: Let's see. I think it was February of 2011 was our first show was at the five spot. Um, if you know anything about Tuesday night that Derek Hoke hosted, or he still hosts some of them virtually, but uh, that was, uh, the first great Peacock show. And, um, from there, we, uh, recorded an EP. We started booking shows. turned out to be busier than anything we'd ever done. It was just like, oh, crap, we got to get like serious about this. <laughs> you know, like this isn't a joke anymore. So, uh, yeah, from there we uh, went on to record the first record with our buddy Dan and uh, toured that extensively.
1: So you guys got together. When you put out your first album, did you think, hey, now we're really a band because... We have an album out, and now we have to tour against that album. I mean, a lot of times bands can play for a long time. They don't ever put out an album. So now you've got an album. Did it start to really gel for you at that point?
0: Yeah. We, uh, along the line, after our first record, got in touch with a booking agent that I think he he, uh, decided to take us on. To take another band on that was on the roster of our record label, <laughs> but that band didn't do anything. But he just kept working with us, and we were like, "Yes, work. We're, you know, we want to play shows and get out and do everything we can." And uh, from there, yeah, it was just a wild, wild ride, and we uh, just kept doing stuff, <laughs> one thing after another. It was always kind of the way it happened
1: a lot of people don't realize this that when musicians start out there's a lot going on I mean you have to support yourself so there's a day job then there's you know getting together at night and rehearsing and then if you have to tour you have to leave your day job and touring isn't always lucrative it's it's, uh, getting the music out there and you're hopefully covering all your expenses hopefully you're making a little bit of money but it's not always lucrative in the beginning and so it's a lot when you hang in there And you guys have hung in there and not only hung in there, we're going to get to your latest album, which is going off the chart, which which it has to make you feel pretty good. But in between uh, 2018, you, you guys put out Grand Pavo Real. So what does the name Grand Pavo Real mean? I had to ask you that, too, because as I'm going through all this stuff, I said that that's right up there. That's another question.
2: So Spanish for great peacock. I think it literally translate to "Grand Royal Turkey," but the uh, accepted translation is "Great Peacock." And I don't remember how that actually came to us. I think it was one of those things a
0: self-titled album.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're we're like it's self-titled, but you know, let's spin it. Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So you put out Grand Pavo Real, and that was in 2018. And then we're going to get to the latest album, which is Forever Worse, Better, third album. And I don't know. I just think that when you get to your third album, you're past the sophomore album, which everyone always talks about. And that's a hard one because a lot of musicians, their first album can be an amalgamation of a lot of things. It can be things you've worked on for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden there's pressure after the first album comes out, to put out another album. You guys did beautifully with that. And now you're on your third. And how, how would you say that in this period of time that your music may have changed a little bit? How has it evolved?
2: We, we definitely went a more rock direction with this. No, no shade on Americana. Uh, but I, I think we were all, we didn't want to put out another making ghosts, right? Another folk what have you record we wanted to do what we really love the music we grew up listening to. You know, we always named check like Tom Petty as an influence. I know everybody does. That's in a rock band, but we took more of that approach and newer stuff too, right? Like not that we're trying to imitate anybody, but we were listening to a lot of the national and the war on drugs, you know, just these big soundscapes, um, you know, picking, this guitar tone out here, this keyboard pad there. Uh, Blunt could speak more to this, but I don't, I don't think we used any synth pads on the last record. Is that right?
0: No, there was a, it was straight piano and organ. Thank you, Ralph Lofton, the man. But uh, yeah, with this record, it was more, we kind of wanted to combine both elements of like the largeness of our first record as far as like, You know it it was big on our second record we wanted to be like we're a four-piece we've been playing rock and roll shows and this is what we sound like you know raw rock and roll but with this one we kind of wanted to take both of that stuff and just like me and andrew are both like really into like spacey sounds delay reverb and you know all the geeky fun guitar stuff and um since we were recording this one on our own, which was like awesome that we, you know, actually had time to spend on making this record on the last one, um, we pretty much just did it with a deck screen. And, you know, w- I love that record, but this one's just like a little special because we produced it ourselves and we, uh, really just kind of got to d- dive in on like, if I wanted to spend a day on a guitar part, I could spend a day on a guitar part. There was like no like studio time. We're here for 12 hours this day and we got to get everything done. And um, I think we definitely took our time <laughs> making it. Cause we, m- we made it over around like six or seven months Yeah, and uh, you know, bouncing bass parts back to frank to record in atlanta and back (laughs) it was fun and i i think we uh set out to make a a big record and i feel like we we accomplished it as much as we you know could under the constraint of uh money and gear that we had
1: well you know Tom, tom petty famously said don't bore us get to the chorus and I think you guys, what I love about your music is it's it really gets right in there and gets right to that melody and, you know, the, the, the choruses. And then I, I felt like the, the themes throughout this album were really poignant themes, especially what folks have been going through over the last year. But tell me a little bit about the, uh, the stories, the themes that you have on this album.
0: The themes are, you know... Pretty much love, loss, living, getting older, dealing with the fact that we're getting older and doing what we do. Life on the Road, that's the third record of pretty much every band is. (laughs) Coming to grips with that. And uh, yeah, pretty universal stuff, but um, I think Andrew did a very poignant job of writing a lot of, you know, the lyrics.
1: Well, Andrew, I read, was uh, driving a delivery truck for a small farm, and he was alone a lot. So when he was alone, he was writing. And maybe to your point, Blunt, he had time and he was on a roll because he could get inside his own head and really think about the lyrics or the music. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have that time when you can actually be creative.
0: Absolutely, and I've always worked better as a great editor <laughs> when it comes to songwriting. So, um, I've still got to do a little bit of that, um but more on like the back end after the songs are done. but uh, yes.
1: well, for the last three months the the album has been charting. people love it, obviously. Um, I have to go back to a publicity or PR and this might be you, Frank. I don't know, sure. but someone come up came up with the idea to put it out that you guys had been arrested for impersonating an Americana band. And, um, I thought that was hilarious. Who came up with the idea?
2: Yeah. So gosh, blunt, correct me if I'm wrong. Our, our publicist Rachel Hurley, who is amazing. And, uh, viewers listeners, please look her up. We, we had kind of been thrown around the idea of some sort of, Stunt, a PR stunt, Um, not, you know, even saying that out loud sounds weird. It's like, what is a PR stunt in 2021? Uh, We kind of figured one out, I guess. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Rachel had the idea that we all should take some mug shots. It was basically a jab at the Americana Music Association for charting us because you know, like Blunt said, it's a big record, and there's a lot of electric guitars. I'm not saying that's not under the umbrella of Americana at all, but uh, we were really just trying to <laughs> be self-aware and make fun of ourselves and everyone all at the same time. Um, and I, I think it it came off pretty well. Um, it was we were definitely uh, a little scared before we published the page but but it worked out honestly i'd completely forgotten we did that
1: and you had some fake accolades and my favorite was from jason Isbull.
2: oh yeah that's who who
1: called your album the sonic equivalent of being trampled by 30 to 50 feral hogs in a good way (laughs) i i was trying to picture being trampled by the hogs and i thought Am I on my stomach? So they're running across my back or am I upside down? Cause if they're running across my back, that might feel like a massage. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> right.
2: um, I tell you what, man, I, I hope Jason sees this cause he, he had a Twitter moment last year, gosh, maybe two years ago now where he tweeted something about gun control. I forget what exactly the premise was. And somebody replied, completely seriously saying something to the effect of like, you'll wish you had a rifle in like my neighborhood in Arkansas, when 30 to 50 feral hogs come running <laughs> through your backyard at your kids. Uh, that just kind of stuck with me. And I'm, I, I've, I've forgotten. I wrote that quote. Um, that's where that came from. Uh, that is not pulled out of thin air. That is actually a uh, Twitter pop culture reference to our favorite Jason Isbell is bull in this case,
1: is bull in this case. Yes. Not, not the Jason Isbell. We have to have to be clear about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: a, a different person entirely came up with that quote. Um, I just loved it. I thought yeah, we, it was great. When I first saw the picture, uh-huh. I thought it was, it was real.
2: <laughs> we did a good job then. That's, that's good.
1: Blunt you were saying,
0: I was just saying that I always feel like a lot of Americana artists, americana way too serious and you know we've always been characterized as as an americana band and um, we just thought it would be funny to just kind of poke fun at the genre and what it all can cover and uh, you know it was all in good fun because <laughs> we here's are you one, here's
1: know one for you when did rock become so dispersed into different genres when I was growing up, rock was just rock. I mean, we didn't separate it out into Americana or Southern rock. Even. I guess we called it Southern rock, but the rock was really just rock. And when you turned on a rock channel, it was everything from what you might consider today some Americana sounding stuff to really hard rock. And it just went back and forth throughout the day and you just listened to whatever. But somewhere along the way, people started saying, no, it's this kind, it's this kind, it's this kind, and putting these little labels on it. What do you guys think?
0: I guess kids just quit playing electric guitar. <laughs> so we got all thrown into this like genre that everybody else can uh, <laughs> just completely ignore unless you're really into it.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you look up like what the rock format is today, it's, it's like, it's super industrial, like overproduced. Um, so I, I I'm with Blunt on that. I, th- I think th- there's an element of nostalgia in the Americana format right now that we, so everything just gets gets crammed in there that isn't a hundred percent future facing, not saying that can't grow. And we're all happy to be under such a big umbrella with so, so many of our favorite genres baked into one, but uh, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, grunge in the 90s and then you have your rock radio all through the 90s and then i guess new metal in the early 2000s started to make everything change i don't know i don't work in radio who seem to be the genre people but
1: might have come from radio because they're all trying to define music for advertisers
2: right yeah sure
0: yeah i always find it uh funny and like i'm sure you understand this frank when like somebody who is uh not like a super like music person asks you oh you're in a band well you know what do y'all sound like why do you play and it's just like what do you say i'm I'm just like i we're a rock and roll band you know it's like people call us americana and you know we, we definitely agree but uh you know we're a rock and roll band you know
1: I hear you at Diddy. We just say we play handcrafted music, and we we might define it as what it's not on our on our network, which is we don't tend to be real pop country or real pop rock, but pretty much anything else from you know heavy duty rock down to singer songwriter, bluegrass, or whatever else you want to call it. Um, lots of different artists fall under the umbrella outside of pop, just straight up pop. And so what do you call that? It's just, it's just rock and roll. A lot of it's just rock and roll. And so that's that was kind of my point, which is, it's just rock music and you are a band who sounds like you in the rock arena, you know? It's your music. And here's the other thing a lot of people don't realize is that from album to album, your music can change. Right. People say, what is your sound? You know, what was it for this album? Because you just said that, making Ghost was a little more on the folk side. And now this is a real rock album, completely different.
2: Absolutely. I like that handcrafted music. I'm going to start using that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it is. We At Diddy, we typically play music that people have written and they play on instruments. And that might be the only thing that connects it all together. Yeah. Uh, because we we follow artists from... You know, 16 when they start and to to now. And and they change over time. Bob Dylan changed over time. And so if you want to be with an artist, then it's going to hopefully involve some change and some growth and all those fun things. But I love the album. Go get a copy. It's super fun. Um, I I now have it on my playlist for my car because I like to drive around and listen to really fun music. So you guys are on there. Um, Are you gonna be touring this year? We are. When does that kick off?
2: We are heading out across the Southeast and up through Indianapolis and Chicago in May on a co-headlining tour with Cordova's, which we're super pumped about.
1: We love the Cordova's too. Maybe we'll have to find you along the way and, and come see you. So well, good luck with that. Good luck with the album. Thanks for coming by Diddy TV. We love you guys and um, hope to see y'all soon.
2: Thanks so much, Amy.
1: We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Great Peacock. Don't forget to visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive, on-demand content and to download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Thank you for listening.